You're listening to the Stay Sore Podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Stay Sore Podcast. I'm your host, Bo Skitsko, and I have the pleasure to be at Active Physical Therapy in uh, your clinic. I have here physical therapist Ed Ash. It's a pleasure. Thank you for being here. We are going to talk about arthritis, a very important topic. A lot of people, I think because of the society we live on and the circumstances, almost everyone's going to get it at some point, right? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> so what is arthritis? Well, I think, um, you know, we talk about this in our uh, clinic a lot. We talk about it with our patients mm -hmm. because arthritis is a very popular word. Very popular. Very. Very popular. And um, people worry about it and people have it. Some people think they have it. Some people don't. But arthritis, in its basic term, uh, it's Latin. And arth is really a word for joint mm -hmm. and itis Everybody, most everybody knows itis means inflammation. Inflammation. It means yeah. inflammation. So we've heard of tendonitis, bursitis, arthritis. So yeah. arthritis in its very uh, fundamental definition is joint inflammation. inflammation. Okay. And uh, a true arthritis, I know we'll be more talking about this, but would be uh, the entire joint would be inflamed. All parts of the, of the joint would be okay. inflamed. We could talk a little bit more about that. I'll, I'll let you kind of guide this. <laughs> Thank you. So since you already brought that topic up, are there types of arthritis? Yes, there are. There's a lot of different types of arthritis. So you can have, um, uh, you can have a, a, a single joint that's inflamed. Mm -hmm. We'll say an example of some people that like what we see, we see a lot of active people, people that are trying to get their activity up or stay active. Um, they can do something. Uh, they can be too active, uh, be working in the yard, have do too much during a workout, and then all of a sudden they have a sore knee. We'll just call it the knee. Okay. Um, and their whole knee is sore and they've inflamed it. Now, I don't think a lot of pe people might be thinking it could be an overuse. It could be something like that, like a tendonitis or a bursitis, but Somebody like that might come in to see us and we do uh, some testing and we see a certain pattern because there's some, high, there's some highlights of a certain type of arthritis for a certain joint, like mm -hmm. say the knee, it's going to lose some motion, it's got inflammation, so it has some, maybe a little bit of swelling, swelling perhaps that you can see, perhaps that you, is very hard to see, uh, and also maybe it's giving away some warmth in the joint. Mm -hmm. and, and then when we examine it, we see there's a loss of motion in a, in a particular pattern mm -hmm. for that particular joint. So there's, um, we don't do x-rays, mm -hmm. but we listen to what the people are telling us, their history, and we do the exam and we can see if there is an arthritis versus a tendonitis versus a bursitis versus a muscle strain. Um, so joint arthritis, Uh, is one version. Uh, there's scales of arthritis, so you could have a joint inflammation, mm -hmm. which is an active inflammation of the joint mm -hmm. happening right now. Okay. Then you could see, let's just say, like you know, uh, your grandpa. If you, if your grandpa's or grandma's still around, and maybe they have arthritis in multiple different joints. Mm -hmm. And uh, they've had maybe a, a, a knee replacement or a hip replacement or something like that. And they may have like very stiff joint. Mm -hmm. and, but it really doesn't hurt that much. But when you look at their x-ray, when you look at it, and we don't look at x-rays, but say they went and got an x-ray from an orthopedist mm -hmm. or from their family doctor. And, and then the radiologist looks at the x-ray and they see that the joint looks Uh, different. It looks like it's losing joint space. It looks like there's inflammation of the bone. It looks almost as if, almost as if the joint is starting to almost like grow together a little bit in a way. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of starting to act that way too, that those, those, those types of joints where the arthritis is more advanced, it's mm -hmm. been going on for a while. There's been periods of time where it's been inflamed. It settles down. It gets inflamed again. It settles down. Then what happens over time is that it becomes what's called an arthrosis. And arthrosis is more of a degenerative condition. So an arthritis is something that's where the, the main concept is, is that it's actively inflamed. It could be, it's hurting. Mm -hmm. It's a problem. Yeah. It's causing me to limp. And arthrosis can be non-painful. It's just, 
joint that is changing, visible changes, changes on the x-ray, mm -hmm. and also we would see the same type of pattern. It's a very stiff joint, it doesn't move all the way for that particular shoulder, knee, hip, whatever. Okay. It, it has a prescribed pattern of limitation that is uh, very common for that, for, that tells us that's what's going on in the joint. Okay. So arthritis, active inflammation, Mm -hmm. And arthrosis is more of a progressive degenerative condition of the joint where the joint is losing space, it's not moving very well. And what can happen in those cases is an arthrosis where they see it on the x-ray and then say they come to see you or they come to see me. Yeah. say, hey, your joint is a little bit stiff. We need to get you moving. And then we get grandpa or grandma going and they end up doing too much that day. And mm -hmm. guess what happens then? Their arthrosis gets activated and then can become and itis. So it can become an activated arthrosis, okay. meaning it's now it's painful, it's mm -hmm. warm, it's inflamed. So they can then go, anybody that has an arthrosis needs to be, we need to be cautious with how we treat that joint. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that later. And uh, because we could do too much okay. and, it, and then reactivate it. Okay. And, then it. and then that is always worse, right? So arthritis, versus arthrosis. And then of course, there's these more systemic problems that can cause joint inflammation throughout the body. So rheumatoid arthritis is different than, that's a systemic, that's a, like an autoimmune systemic problem that they can do, you would do blood tests for. Okay. So if you, if you have a client perhaps, and I'm not a medical doctor, but we see people that come in and they'll be telling us this story. In fact, I just saw a guy two weeks ago who's a soccer coach. Mm -hmm. I see lots of his players, but he was having a problem with his hip. And his hip had an arthrosis. I'm, I didn't see the x-ray, but he had never got an x-ray on his hip. He had a horrible loss of motion. I don't even know how this guy did what he was doing. Mm -hmm. Horrible loss of motion in his hip. But even when I examined his other hip, it also had a, a loss of motion. So it's more systemic. But, well, exactly. So he has both hips going. One hip was actively inflamed because that's the hip that he uses a lot and he kicks a lot with. And that one is much more advanced. So I say, hey man, you need to go uh, and get an x-ray on your hip. And, he, and then we also talked about, I said, it's your other hip too. I said, do you have any other joints that are giving you problems? Yeah, my knees, my ankles, my heels sometimes. I said, do you have any eye problems? Anything going on with your eyes? Yeah, my eyes sometimes a little bit. And then he said, after, we, after I started, I said, ask him, hey, do you, do you get, uh, sometimes get like, um, uh, urinary tract infections because that's another sign of some stuff going on that just the system is not right mm -hmm. yeah yeah and then he says my mom also has rheumatoid arthritis there you go. i said hey have you ever been to a rheumatologist maybe you just need to go and get some blood testing he said yeah that's a good idea i'm going to go do that i mean the likelihood is he probably needs to get a hip replacement i mean i'd like to be able to help everybody we would but with the hip that bad man and then he probably needs to see the rheumatologist get some testing see if he's got that rheumatoid factor too other things like lupus or um, even like psoriasis, people that have psoriasis. So mm -hmm. psoriasis can present on the skin as it often does, so but it also can be, it's a systemic problem mm -hmm. and it can also cause the joints to be irritated. I understand. So that's a problem too. Another one is uh, like Crohn's disease, people who have Crohn's disease, mm -hmm. that's also like a systemic inflammatory problem that can cause joint problem. And then also there's something in children, young children, uh, and it can happen really to anybody, but it happened to my son at an early age when he was only five or so, my oldest one, who's, oh, wow. uh, but he was limping around the house. Nothing had happened. Uh -huh. Well, it's not, it's not really a bad story. It's an interesting story. Okay. But uh, my wife calls me and says she, he's limping around. And uh, I was a little worried that there was something wrong with his hip. And there are some things that can happen to a young boy's hip. Um, so I was, of course, concerned that that was this or that thing. So we yeah. take him to get an x-ray. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, I hope the, I'm thinking the x-ray could be very bad. Mm -hmm. But the x-ray was fine. Okay. Turns out that he was sick about a week earlier. He had, a, he had like the flu and had like a little, uh, he, what it was, was it called a toxic synovitis. And sometimes when you're sick, just an ordinary sickness, it can sometimes settle into the joint and it can cause the joint to be irritated for a short period of time and then it goes away. So it's like your immune system is overwhelmed? Something like that, exactly. Mm -hmm. So there's these more like um, active types of joint infl inflammation that are not systemic, right? It's really like kind of nothing to worry about as far as a systemic problem. We see a lot of that stuff in the clinic. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's these other situations where you can kind of almost get a feel like there's something else going on with this. The, the, the client or the patient is also telling you about some other things that they have. Mm -hmm. And it's good to ask some of those questions. And if you just feel like, hey, it's never harm to go see your, some people don't like to go see the doctor. Yeah. Say, hey man, if, 
this is easy. Blood tests are super easy. You, they could take the blood test and, and they can start to discover a lot of things. And then if you know what's going on with your body, yeah. it's so much easier to take care of it, right? Sometimes so, it's a minor thing that can be easily fixed. And sometimes it's easier for these people to talk with you. And I'm not saying we're going to solve the problem, but sometimes just us saying, hey, maybe go see the doctor. You should go do that. It's good for you to yeah. find out what's going on. Absolutely. Um, so anyway, different kinds of arthritis for sure. Mm -hmm. And then the progression of arthritis from an arthritis to an arthrosis. Okay, so you mentioned a few things. At least I filtered out a few thoughts here. <laughs> Overuse. You said genetic because the mom always. of the coach. Uh, Here's the thing. Let me say this about genetics. And, and I always tell patients this too. I say, hey man, you inherit all the great things and you also inherit all of the bad things. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's nothing more powerful than heredity, right? Yeah. So, you know, uh, we get all the good stuff and we get all the bad stuff too. Sometimes we have to deal with it. So there again is a good reason to go and just check that out. Go I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, since you already said genetics, I heard a really good phrase that, that stick, stuck to me which is genetics is a loaded gun, but lifestyle is pulling the trigger. There you go. So, okay, so overuse, genetics, challenged immune system, uh, that's what I filtered out. So what would you say are causes of arthritis and all the other stages that you mentioned? What causes that? Well, you could have certainly those factors like genetics and like use patterns, right? So, you know, like there's some, we, we see a lot of young kids in, we see f very active families here, mm -hmm. and we see active parents, we see active athletic kids who are doing a lot. And of course, there's a lot of people talking these days about how much these kids are doing. Yeah. And the, this saying of like, oh, you're too young to have this problem or that problem. And for that really doesn't matter. It really matters more of like, what is your activity pattern? If mm -hmm. you're beating yourself up all the time, I mean, we can see where a young kid could get a full-blown arthritis pattern because of overuse in there. It's not mm -hmm. a very common thing. Usually it's going to be more because in kids, it's going to be the growth plate or it's going to be the tendon, that kind of thing. But we've seen situations where, you know, that happens. Probably though, more commonly, it's going to be guys like, you know, I'm going to be 52. You're probably not 52, not yet. but also um, in this stage, as, as we've just done some good living, I call it, over time, yeah. things do wear out. There's lots of things that, that we can do true. to protect our true. joints, right? But things start to wear out and we've got to be careful. So we can do a little bit too much at times, whether it's something we're doing at our house, working in our yard, doing a workout with our coach, doing something even at the physical therapy shop where we're going to get better and we end up doing a little bit too much and that can aggravate things. So overuse pattern for sure okay. can then cause problems in the joint. An underlying maybe genetic issue or, or also this, you know, we know that the, 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 what's the biggest risk of injury is the likelihood of previous injury, right? That always increases your risk. If I've, mm -hmm. if I've sprained my ankle before, then my likelihood of developing an arthritis, I'm not saying it's an automatic, but if I have like, if I become like a marathon runner and I'm, or I'm doing like super heavy work, uh, you know, That's mechanic same. work or things like that, I can end up having a beat up ankle because of some previous problems. So this history of previous injury almost Almost everybody that you see who's got, who comes in and has this arthritis pattern in a joint, that they've, there's more to the story. There's usually an old story of an old injury, an old trauma, or certainly micro trauma that's been there, right? So that's certainly a, a, a part of that pattern. So something that wasn't addressed or fixed completely? Or even if it was addressed, because, you know, like think about an uh, injury that's really common that we see a lot of ACL injuries mm -hmm. in young athletes. And there's, there's great research that shows that, although the, the, the me mechanics of that reconstruction now has gotten so good, mm -hmm. so much better than it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, but uh, the likelihood of having an earlier onset of arthritis in the knee after an ACL reconstruction is higher. It's just, it's just higher. It doesn't, it's not an automatic, but it, the likelihood is higher. Of course, again, there's lots of things that we could do, but a history of previous injury, history of overuse pattern, history of genetics, history of some kind of systemic issue, all those things are related to that. Um, and I think this is where, though, being able to identify that, because as soon as you understand what, again, like what, what the problem is, and we talked about this before in the previous podcast, is that I think so important for clients and patients to understand, like really it's, because we talked about what's good pain, what's, what's yeah, yeah, not good pain in yes. the past one. And this relates exactly to that. So as soon as you can get the information, and it doesn't mean that you have to stop. It just means that you need to change mm -hmm. your approach and you have to have a higher level of awareness about what's going on. Yeah, it, it, this is a reoccurring theme with 
all my work that I do in my gym is that um, once I know the diagnosis, we, we can course correct. We don't have to stop. We can course correct. But if I don't know what it is, we might make it worse. We, we might guess around and stuff. So yeah, uh, checking it out and then course correct. Like you said, you don't have to stop and keep going. Um, so we kind of, you, you kind of explained what can cause it, overuse, uh, immune system, hereditary. How do we prevent arthritis? How do we prevent, like you said, inflammation, joint inflammation? Um, I think that there's, I think good, good living, you know, is lifestyle. lifestyle, like you said, it's like the gun and the trigger thing. Um, so, you know, I think like I, when we talk to patients about this, you know, I mean, we're, I'm a physical therapist. I'm not a, a medical doctor. I'm not a nutritionist, but we talk about these things like, you know, patients that everybody, people, mm-hmm. they don't have, there's only a few things in your life that you can control. There's not many way, things. Way more than people think. More than people think. think but, but two things that are really easy for you to control, for people to control. I say, like, you could control your breathing. Okay. You know. Hopefully. Hopefully. We usually Hopefully for the teach most, people We teach people. That. And you can control your activity. Mm-hmm. You, you make choices about what, your is, what is going to be your activity for the day, whether it's mm-hmm. not going to be much activity, whether it's going to be a lot of activity, or some people that are, you know, Addic- too much activity? A, maybe, I don't want to say addicted, but are, are very familiar with patterns and comfortable with patterns of at one extreme or the other, mm-hmm. whether it's under moving or over moving, right? So you control your activity through choices and your behavior. And then the other thing is you can control, really you can control for the most part what you, what you decide to eat, right? Yes, for the most part. So those, I, those honestly, three things. Honestly, I would put the nutrition <laughs> Almost right, first. exactly, right. Yeah, exactly. Every single cell is made out of the food that you eat, so you are what you eat. So. Yeah, and you have these conversations with your clients a lot, too. We all do, yeah. And we have, we do as well, too. And, uh, and then we also have a, we have a nutritionist that's here awesome. for people to access if they uh, want to get deeper into that conversation. Awesome. And she understands all these things about, like, anti-inflammatory diets, and there's lots of great stuff that people could read about that. But sometimes just having like a coach and someone that you can be accountable to is very helpful. But people can make really significant changes. I mean, think about this. I mean, just the water, like being able to flush your system and stay hydrated. <laughs> that's know. huge, right? Because if you think about the joint, like joint health, mm-hmm. you know, and then people will say, we could talk about this, like, well, you know, and then people want to ask this question, like, what kind of, what can I take? What kind of supplements can I take <laughs> to make my joints feel better? I say, hey, you know, and my 14-year-old also asked me, and these kids that I see who are athletes, young, young boys usually, yeah, yeah, yeah. what can I take? What supplement can I take to, take to, get, uh, to get stronger, to, get, uh, to build muscle, those kinds of things? Say, hey, man, they don't call it a supplement for, uh, you know, for no reason. It's a supplement to, in supplementing what would be already a good foundation. Mm-hmm. So we think about what's good foundational stuff, like being, staying well hydrated, drinking good, clean water. Are right? you saying not soda? Not soda. Well, actually, you know, this is interesting. Soda, I still remember this from a class that I took many years ago. So, I mean, I mean, this was like in the early 90s. But I remember this nutrition class that I took. And I remember that in, in sodas, mm-hmm. if you look at the can of soda, and I yeah. still sometimes see this. I don't drink soda. You, just, I've had you so- just see it. I've had soda before, but I have. But I don't, I really don't drink it. I don't really like it, honestly. I get it. But uh, if you look at the can of soda that you might, may or may not be drinking or that your kid is drinking or that your loved one yeah. is drinking, and you look at it, and on, on the can, it says somewhere in the ingredients, it says phosphoric acid. Mm-hmm. And phosphoric acid is, um, is, is, phos- is acid. Mm-hmm. And what happens is when you, when you drink this soda, your blood level of phosphorus goes up. And what in your body, and I'm not a, I'm not a blood chemistry person, expert Mm -hmm. but i remember this and your your blood is trying to maintain a nice balance between this phosphorus and calcium in your blood Mm -hmm. and when your phosphorus levels go way up like this from drinking the soda all day then your blood is like i need some more calcium where am i going to get the calcium from it's going to pull it out of your bones it pulls it out of your bones to help balance that and then you end up probably peeing it out later Mm -hmm. so it really it's, there's some chemistry behind soda, not all of them. It's more the dark sodas. 
that have this phosphoric acid in, and literally can weaken your bones. And if they're weakening your bones, they're weakening your joints, right? So it's just, it's not how, it's not really the great health, uh, the best health decision that Absolutely. you can make, right? Absolutely. So there's, and anything, you know, like you have to kind of understand what you're, there's lots of people that you could talk to that are, that know more about this, about like matching, like what you eat to like, you know, what works for you, but also you can also just pay more attention to it. Yeah. And how do you feel after you eat something? Exactly. I, I think the, the biggest value when it comes to nutrition is, journal how you feel before after certain foods how you act how you feel how you perform yeah uh, your mental clarity and it yeah. will answer 90 percent of your questions without even a doctor yeah. and it's pretty much true to you to your situation to your body yeah um so i, I love that and i was gonna actually this little cheat sheet has diet and nutrition already on there yeah, because yeah. i think it's a big part of inflammation which is arthritis no doubt so uh okay well then and my just next like and I would say like healing, like healing. Healing in general. Right, so you know, this is a good, your, our bodies are wonderful healing machines. Like they are learning and healing machines. Every second it's an adaptation and figuring out how to be better, right? Right, that's what our bodies wanna do. So if we can create, this is probably like the most important thing that we talk about. Like I, I already we, know where you're going. If we yes. can create the environment internally, mm -hmm. okay, we're talking about these things. Like maybe, maybe you need to go see the doctor, right? Maybe you need some to understand this and, and you, need, you need some medicine. That's not the, you know, like it's not in every case. That's more rare, but it's very important. If you have that systemic problem, you need to understand that. And then you also, food is the, the medicine that we have every day, right? the water, the food. So if we can set up this internal environment, our stress level, right? If we can control, if we can operate a little bit less in that flight, fight and flight situation throughout the day, if our nervous system can be a little calmer, fight and flight is great, but if we're not, not if we're operating in that on a low level all day long, that's no mm -hmm. good. That's bad in, on so many levels, and it's in particular for healing. I fight know firsthand. Fight and flight is great. If we just wanted to get up right now, and just start going at it, mm -hmm. it would be amazing. We would be able to do that, but it wouldn't last long, right? And then we would have to go back down into parasympathetic or we want to get a great workout in or something like that, right? But that also is essential for healing to be able to toggle, like we said, back and forth between the sympathetic and getting parasympathetic, right? Creating that internal environment for healing, whatever, whatever the source of inflammation is, even if it's a systemic issue, right? And then also like, what's our, my external environment? I can control these things in my external environment. I'm making choices about the people that I'm hanging around, the, 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 where I'm going to, uh, to eat, uh, to like what activity that I'm choosing to do if I'm doing too much or nothing at all. So I have to, to kind of, I create these environments. I'm in charge of these environments, both externally and internally, because if, if and it doesn't have to be perfect, it just has to be better, right? It just, it just can be a little bit better. And then, then my body, which is a great learning and healing machine, will start to remember these patterns mm -hmm. and learn these patterns. And then also, I'm giving my body the opportunity that it needs to do the healing that it's so good at doing. Mm -hmm. That's it. I mean, that's a big part of it. I, I love that we started to talk in this episode, this whole podcast today is about arthritis. And I'm assuming most viewers are thinking, give me the exercises, give me the stretches, and give me the pills. We're not even talking about and that we yet. This is like, <laughs> yeah. what, maybe like 10, yeah. 15 minutes yeah. into it. We yeah. haven't even mentioned those yeah. because there's more important factors. Always. And I think, like you said, the most important factor is give the body an opportunity to heal. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I absolutely love where this is going. But that being said, exercising, stretching, what physically can we do once you feel inflammation in your joints? What can we do, what should we do, and what should we avoid as far as physical activity? I mean, you're a physical therapist, yeah, yeah. I'm a personal trainer, a coach, uh, we make people move. How mm -hmm. should I make a person move? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, we, do, we use terms here during our sessions and with our patients that we see because we're teaching them. Yeah how to make these decisions about activity and about exercises. So we might choose a group of exercises for a particular problem related to arthritis. But the patient, we say like, hey man, physical therapy and training mm -hmm. is more than just a list of exercises. Absolutely. Right? I mean, if the, if the patient or the client, I tell, we tell our patients this, if they can't, if they're doing something, doing an exercise, whatever that exercise is, mm -hmm. And, and somebody asks them, well, what are you doing that for? 
they should they should be able to they should be able to explain that a little yes, bit yes. to somebody, you know? They should yeah. understand why it is that they're doing that and why it's important for them for their healing. So it, um, I think that's a huge part of it. Also, that they should understand the difference between something that's hurting. This kind of goes back to our previous episode. This, like, something that's, like, hurting, but, and the difference between, it will it hurt me? Like, is, so there's this term we talk about. We talk about therapeutic discomfort therapeutic discomfort. So mm-hmm. if I do, if my knee is sore and I get on the stationary bike and I take a gentle ride, I feel it a little bit in the beginning. It's a little bit uncomfortable, but it kind of feels like it's getting a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And then my pain was maybe like a two or a three when I started, but now it's, I barely feel it. And I'm, I get off the bike and it okay. actually feels a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So now I know like what I did for me. So you really have to listen to the body and you have to understand, okay, things are, it has to be a therapeutic discomfort. It might be, there might be a limitation of motion. So we're teaching somebody how to do, we might be stretching them, you know, doing our, with our hands, our manual therapy. So we're communicating with them throughout. And then based on that, we teach them an activity that is, replicates what we were trying to get with that, with that manual. And we're teaching them an end range stretch. But again, with this thought of, hey, it has to be in the therapeutic zone we're not taking this to the point where it's hurting and then you're feeling worse after you're done with whatever you did. Mm -hmm. So there has to be, there's a lot of education and a lot of discussion as people are getting proficient with these programs that we want them to do to help themselves at home. That's important. I think, but at the, in the same breath, it's also, they have to be able to take it to the point of maybe feeling a little bit of that therapeutic discomfort because if they're trying to improve, say you're trying to improve some range of motion in the joint, you have to be able to, you're always going to feel it a little bit at the end of the range. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to coach our patients and our clients with that because they have to be able to feel that little bit of that end range, that tissue, taking the tissue to the end range, but doing it in a therapeutic way. Not everybody's good at that and they need some extra coaching from a physical therapist, from a from a, a, a strength coach, it's really important for that. So, and, and most important of all, they have to feel like at the end of those group of activities, whatever it is, mm-hmm. that they, they feel better. So again, thinking about some kind of calming activity, some kind of blood flow. Blood flow is essential. I think it's the, the, the first step to almost the first every step. healing. Motion, right? Motion is? Life. Lotion. Oh, okay. Right? Motion is lotion. Grease the groove. Grease, we got to grease the groove. So yeah. motion is lotion. We need to move, but we probably need to move gently. It doesn't mean I'm going to do my crushing Peloton workout mm-hmm. when, my, when I have this little bit of knee arthritis because it's probably not going to be great. I don't need to come up out of the saddle and be grinding away. I have to do, I have to focus on staying in kind of the rehab zone, staying in the therapeutic zone and feeling better after. So I want to get some blood flow because as my blood is flowing, then my healing is beginning, right? That's, that's really, really important. Also, my joint is warmer. It's just like in your car. There's a, there's a principle of viscosity with their connective tissue. And it relates to the tissues a little bit warmer so that I have better extensibility of the tissue. My joints move a little bit better. Every, almost everybody, we see people who have this hip arthritis. Mm-hmm. So they come in maybe for their second session, we check their motion when they come back in. Hey, it's a little better than last time, still a little bit limited. I say they go on the bike, they go on the rowing machine, they go on uh, maybe the little bit of a, on the treadmill, and then they, they're, they're warmed up, they're doing that all gently. They do about 15 minutes, they come back to the table, we check their motion again. Mm-hmm. What do you think we see? We see a little bit, imp- we haven't even done anything, but yet their joint is already moving a little bit better. But now we have blood flow, the joint is warm, we're warming up from the inside, and then we teach them their more therapeutic things. So for these, um, for like load-bearing joints that have arthritis, like a hip, a knee, an ankle, mm-hmm. those joints love a little bit of traction. So we can teach people how to do these little things. I'm not going to explain that, but we can teach these little gentle, that feels really good. That's the main thing with traction. Yeah, yeah. It feels good. So we teach patients how to make it feel better, and then they check their motion after traction. It's a little bit better. And then we can do some special joint motions. And then once the joint... Because remember, like one of the foundational findings with arthritis is that there's a loss of motion mm-hmm. and there's pain at the end of those motions. So if we can get the joint moving better, that's one of the goals to get the joint moving better. Then once it's moving better, what do we want to do? We want to activate the muscles around the joint. So we do these gentle activation drills. It's not like we're doing box jumps. 
oh, right? Or those kinds of things. But we're, we're getting the muscles to be reactivated around the joint and then, then working on more functional patterning of the joint again. Okay. And then teaching these people how to, how to really own the program. So uh, practical, if a person from a whole different state is watching and wants to know what do I do if I have inflammation in the joint or arthritis in the joint, what should I look out for? Like three simple, four simple tips or sentences even. What look forward to and what avoid? What to avoid? Well, you have to listen to your body, mm -hmm. right? Um, but I mean, really, if you're unsure, you probably need to seek somebody out, right? So if you've got somebody you know, like Bo, who's in town, mm -hmm. and because there's, you know, people are baiting us into these questions all the time. What do you think about this <laughs> profession or this profession? I, I say, hey man, there's good people all over the place. True. And we have a relationship. So if you go see somebody like Bo and you can ask some of these questions and he could help you with some, making some corrective exercises for you. If that's not helping, then you need to come see somebody yeah, like me. I've sent some clients Or a physical, you. exactly. And then we can help. And sometimes we say, hey man, you, you haven't even had an image on this. You need to go see this really good physician that will listen to you and take an image. And then you can get a better picture of what's going on really. So you need to talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know anybody, I would say you probably start with, you, you should talk to, uh, talk to some people that have seen some good people, right? Mm -hmm. if, if you're in town. But if you know somebody, I personally, I think everybody should know a good physical therapist, a good strength coach. They should have a good relationship with their, with their family physician. Uh, so I think doing that, being able to sometimes just ask a question to somebody who knows that can get some direction on that would be good. The other thing is really, you have to start really taking an in inventory about like, hey, what am I doing? Like, am I, you know, because a lot of people won't really recognize the pattern that's causing this problem, yeah. right? And they're like, I'm just kind of stuck in this pattern. I don't even realize it. And I'm just kind of doing the same thing over and over again. I'm eating the same thing over and over again. I'm not getting good sleep. I'm running around with like a, like a crazy person. And I need to kind of, I need to, I need to change something. Yeah. So there's probably something that needs to change and you need to get, um, and you need to get on with that. I think that's the important thing. And, you know, we can help a lot of people. Right, and we, you, you see your clients, you probably have clients that tell you, I, my, my grandpa or my sister or my neighbor needs to come see you. And yeah, I'm, of course. And then what I always say, I, people say the same thing to us. I say, you know, that's, I really appreciate that. When they're ready, you know, I'll be here. I'll be here to help them mm -hmm. because a lot of people aren't really ready. And I think like, you know, so again, if you're having this joint problem, a lot of times, if it's been adding up over time, you've probably been ignoring it for a while. And maybe you're, whatever you're doing isn't really working and you just need some help. And it doesn't mean that you have to commit to this huge thing. I think just learning some information, getting some inf good information and be able to make some changes uh, can really be more helpful than somebody thinks. Okay. Um, a lot of people say weightlifting and, and like putting a barbell on your back, that's bad. You're going to have arthritis. What do you think about that? I think if you don't know what you're doing, <laughs> I think if you do do it poorly, I think the you know, quality tech, the best corrective exercise, you know, cause that's what we teach, you know, physical therapists, we teach, you know, like therapeutic exercises, corrective exercise, because we see patterns that are incorrect. Yeah. We see asymmetry, we see joint limitation, we see strength problems that are asymmetric from side to side. We see people that are come from surgery. So they have all these incorrect patterns that we see. Mm -hmm. So we teach corrective patterns, okay. but really corrective patterns are just really learning how to move with high quality, okay. right? It's like re, revising your movement strategies. So in the gym, if you're doing an exercise with a barbell, whatever the exercise is, whether it's a deadlift, a squat, a bench press, mm -hmm. if you don't know how to do it correctly, then you're doing it incorrectly. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's not a brilliant statement. There's, it's not, <laughs> right? But, but if you're doing things incorrectly, then your chance of getting injured is gonna be greater. But if you're doing things correctly and you've been coached and you really understand how to take yourself through a back squat, you know, people will argue about back squats if I should be doing back squats or not with a barbell. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think back squats are fine if you're doing them correctly if you have the proper hip mobility and ankle mobility and trunk stability and you understand it's a great it's a great exercise there may not even be a better exercise to do if you're doing it correctly I, I agree with you I if you're doing you. it correctly but also if you do an exercise like that it's an app it could be a disaster 
yes. you're going to end up coming to see someone like me or going to see a surgeon soon. So I think really doing exercise correctly is the most important thing. I don't have, I'm not against any particular exercise in, I like in the gym I love or that. with the trainer. It's, but if, if it's abusive, if, if you're having great therapeutic discomfort and you're being challenged and you be like, man, that really hurts. And I say to my, our patients, you say to your clients, is it, does it really hurt or is it just really hard? Yeah, well, yeah. it's really hard actually. But, but man, my muscles are really fatigued and that's wonderful. That's exactly what you want. So I think that's really important. We want to have quality movement, obviously. We want to have quality movement of our, our joints before we put them under load. I mean, that, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So we see a lot of these problems happening in, in I would say, like two different groups of people that we see. Young kids who are getting really excited about getting into the weight room. Yeah. Who don't really understand or own, the, own their personal movement patterns yet. They need to learn those first. They need mm -hmm. to move really well, and then we load them. That's really important. Girls in particular are, pardon me. No problem. Girls in particular, mm -hmm. because they're going through, oh, that's a, that we should do another whole podcast on that. <laughs> because that's a whole different story about the difference between young boys and young girls related to training. Mm -hmm. And then, because there's risks, yeah? So, and then we have people who have been out of activity for a long time who want to get back into activity, mm -hmm. which we love those people. You love those people. Oh, you can absolutely. help them, right? But a lot of those people go and do things on their own. The intention is there, but the education and the awareness is not, and they mm -hmm. just need help because they're, they're really excited. They want to do something, and then they go and they do things incorrectly or with low level of awareness, and then they end up hurting themselves. And then what do they do? They stop. They stop and they say, that's not for me, I can't do that. But they really just needed some guidance, that's all. I understand. You mentioned boys and girls. So let's, young, but also middle-aged, older. Is there a difference when it comes to arthritis between girls, boys, men, women, grandpa, grandma? I don't think that, I don't think that there's really a big difference uh, between, I think in general, in general, like life patterns, if you think just about life patterns and how people live, um, men tend to do occupations that can that beat them up a little bit more. I understand. What Would you saying. say you right? I, it's like these like high level labor positions, um, and you know that's just these are general trends. So I think that we see that there's guys that get a little bit more beat up in their sixth, seventh, eighth decade, like when, when they're old. Like we see these patterns probably a little bit more often than, uh, than with the ladies. I think though that, you know, patterns continue to change. I patterns continue to change. So I think uh, it just, it, there's a lot of like this uh, sort of occupational sociology stuff that happens that where life patterns are changing. I don't think though that there's anything specific Okay. as far as like gender, gender related. Okay. But you know, you think about like Title IX and how things have changed for girls over the past 20 years and how much more involved, which is awesome. Their exposure overall to athletics is much higher, the volume of activity. So they're beating themselves up more than the girls did two, three, four decades ago. So now we look sense. down the road, is that, that gonna be any sense. different? That makes sense. Are there any myths that you would like to bust about arthritis or how you call it, joint inflammation? Anything that people, like misconceptions? Anything you would like to explain to a person? Um, I mean, you don't have to, like, you don't have to be a grandpa or grandma. Oh, you don't? And, and nothing about grandpa or grandmas that's bad. But you don't have to be a grandpa or grandma to get arthritis. So, um, I think like that's a myth too. It, 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 so you, it, and our, here's, here's the biggest myth. Mm. I think the biggest myth is, is the misunderstanding of the term. Okay. Because you hear the word arthritis is just thrown around a lot. The word arthritis is thrown around a lot. And so arthritis is not a death sentence mm -hmm. to your joint. I mean, period. It's okay. not. So if someone, if you go to the doctor and the doctor says that you have arthritis, that doesn't mean that you need to get your joint replaced in three years right? There's only three reasons to get a joint replacement. Okay. Do you know what the three reasons are? Well, not arthritis. Pain, mm -hmm. pain, and pain. Okay. That's it. So it really is, and it's, I, an orthopedic surgeon told me that many years ago, mm -hmm. but it makes sense 
because we, patients come to us and they say, oh, my doctor says I have arthritis. They see some of these changes on the joint and we help them with this stuff. And then they're very concerned about like this death sentence that their joint has now, that they're eventually going to have to get a joint replacement and it's inevitable. And for some patients, it is inevitable. And for some patients, like this guy that came in two weeks ago, the so- who the I saw, yeah. I told him, I mean, I told him, and I'm a physical therapist, and I love to help people. I, I would love to try to get people to have less surgeries. Nothing against surgeons. They're wonderful. But um, to be able to do things conservatively, conservatively would be great. But this guy, I said, man, if you, if you had your joint, your hip joint replaced last week, it wouldn't be too early because he's definitely going to need it done. His life has been changed, and he's been ignoring it for many, many years. So that's a case where he really needs help my, the way that I'm going to help him is help to lead him to that decision and help him. Mm-hmm. That's, that's very, it's a rare case, but we see those in here. And there was another lady who came who was very active. She played tennis. She was in her, she was in her seventh decade, uh, played very active, gardener, tennis player. And she had been hobbling around for two or three years on this hip. I saw a friend of hers. The friend says, my friend needs to come see you. Mm-hmm. She came to see me. I saw her on the first visit. I said, oh my, my goodness, you I can't believe you've been hobbling around this hip. It almost doesn't move at all. She couldn't walk normally at all. Mm-hmm. There wasn't, I knew that there wasn't going to be a lot because the joint, the x-rays showed big time joint changes. The joint was almost starting to fuse together. So we got her, we introduced her to a colleague who does an orthopedic surgeon and a, phys- a physician assistant that we know that guided her through the process. She got her hip joint replaced and she's playing tennis again. Like within two months, she's playing tennis again. Amazing. So her life was on a complete downer. She wasn't doing the things that she wanted to do, but she was too stubborn, like a lot of people are. Yeah, I understand. They're, because they, they're unsure about it. But I, you know, we helped her get to that spot. And honestly, she only came to see us maybe three, four, five times after her surgery, and she was done. She's back doing her thing. So I think like the, the myth is, on one hand, the myth is, one of the myths is like, oh my God, if I, if I get a joint replacement, I'm not going to be able to do anything anymore. Because for certain patients, they need that to get their life back, mm-hmm. okay? And then for others that think just because they heard this term that they have some inflammation in their joint and arthritis, that they think that they're, they need a joint replacement tomorrow. And then they're, they're really bummed out about that. And they, really, they just need some guidance and we can work, we can work through that. Some you know, it's kind of like a rule of thirds, right? A third of those people are going to do extremely well with minimal amount of guidance. A third of those people will prob- could probably progress to then having more advanced joint changes and eventually needing a joint replacement. And then about a third of those people will kind of be in the middle where they're probably going to need a little more help from us and a little more guidance and they may go in either direction, right? So it's, that's, that's what happens. I understand. Um, so just just out of curiosity, older people, sometimes you look at their fingers and they have like this, yeah, yeah. these bumps. Like my and, dad. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. On, on, on the knuckles and stuff, yeah. they have these bumps and stuff. And people say, oh, it's just arthritis. What is that? I think that's arthritis. So yeah. what, yeah. what, what is that stuff that grows on the joints? Um, it's, it's bone. It's bony growth. So what's happening is the joint is degenerating mm-hmm. a little bit. If they took an x-ray, they would see these like little, they call them osteo, which means bone, and this little osteophyte, or these little, these little bony growths of, uh, of bone around the joint. And I think when you see, the best, the best way that I can explain it to a patient is that when you have this more advanced arthrosis, mm-hmm. where you're seeing the joint changes, you're seeing some bony growth around the joint, you're seeing a collapse of joint space, decrease in joint space, that what's happening, and the, then the joint's not moving so well anymore. Because there's not enough room. There's, there's not growth. enough room. And what's starting to happen is the joint is, is becoming less of a joint. It's, becoming almost, it's almost becoming fused mm-hmm. over time. And that may be, that's a simple way to describe it, but I think it's easy for, easy for patients to understand. So like, my, but my dad who has, has that issue, I mean, he was a window cleaner. He had a window cleaning business for 50 years. So he all day was using his hands. Wet and cold. Wet, and cold, hot. I mean, and just like ladders and climbing and, and, and constantly using his hands working every day. Mm-hmm. So again, 
then I think when you see somebody like that, um, it would be interesting to hear like what's their story. They, do they have a story? What did they do? Was it, was it a mechanic mm-hmm. that worked all those years on cars? Probably maybe something like that. And then if you, and then maybe it's, you know, maybe it's a, someone who did this kind of work all, all at a screen, or maybe it's just somebody, your grandma, who has a rheumatoid factor and has rheumatoid arthritis because there's changes in the hand that we see with rheumatoid arthritis. That's more of a systemic issue, and that can cause a lot of hand disfo- uh, deformity for sure. Okay. So my understanding from what everything listening to you is arthritis, maybe re- not, I don't know if reversible is a good term. Well, arthritis, but- arthritis, joint inflammation, right? So if it's just an inflammation in the joint mm-hmm. and say they took the x-ray and there were, the x-ray looked totally fine, the joint is inflamed, then here's the job. The job is to let it calm down. Like we all need to just let it calm down do some gentle, it's almost like the Goldilocks approach. So you were asking like, what are the best exercises? So when you have a joint that's inflamed like that, no joint changes on the x-ray, okay? Mm-hmm. Then in, in any of those situations, we're gonna take the Goldilocks approach, right? We're not gonna do too much because that's gonna be bad because mm-hmm. if we do too much, it's gonna inflame it more. Mm-hmm. And even if we have an arthrosis where there is joint changes and we do too much, we can just activate it and cause an itis. Mm-hmm. And then if we don't do anything at all, that's no good either, because sitting around for an arthritis isn't very good at all. We've got to move gently because motion is lotion. We've got to do some gentle reactivation exercises. We've got to keep it in the therapeutic zone. So it's very safe to do things as long as there's some guidance and some awareness with it to, to halt the problem, right? Unless it's, unless it's the beginning of something that could be more systemic that's gonna kind of go on and on, or as a result of a, a big trauma or a, a surgery, like a, a or like they, like, you know, you know, we see people who have like, a, they tear a meniscus in their knee, mm-hmm. or perhaps they have a torn meniscus that's given them problems over many years, and that continues to cause these periods of arth- arthritis, joint inflammation, mm-hmm where it's inflamed, then it goes away, and then it's inflamed, then it goes away over, over many years. Well, then they're, they're kind of on that pathway to then starting to see some changes on the x-ray. The joint space is starting to decrease. But maybe if they would have gotten that taken care of at an earlier phase, learned how to get the joint to be able to move properly, get the inflammation to be calmed down, they could have, they could have certainly uh, prolonged that, that period and, and, and not have arrived at the, the big problem as soon as they might have, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So uh, to, to, to understand and to summarize, if it's arthritis, uh, which is inflammation, you can pretty much, I'll use the word, reverse it with your decisions, with, with stress management, sleep, nutrition, proper exercise. And you said not too much, not too little for that joint. It doesn't mean if my knee hurts, I can't do my upper body, right? Of course. Okay, so with my decisions, I can reverse arthritis or inflammation. Once there's structural changes in the joint, that's where I may not be able to reverse it, but I can slow it down or stop it. And I can calm it down. And I can, through good decision-making, I can keep it from getting re-inflamed over and over again. Okay. So if I start to understand that process, or even if I see just the, the hint of the beginning of some joint changes, say after a couple periods of inflammation uh, in the joint, some arthritis, and I'll, they see, oh, I see a little bit of loss of joint space maybe on the, on the inside of the knee. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a great time then to start making some different decisions about what you're doing. It doesn't mean stop, it means making some different decisions about what's going on. Okay, then let's summarize the whole thing. Um, arthritis is not the end of the world. You can reverse it by calming down the inflammation through lifestyle decisions, nutrition, sleep. What do I eat? What do I watch? Who do I hang out with? What causes stress? What movement patterns got me here? And don't keep doing the same thing. Try to change something and uh, don't do what got you or made this arthritis happening. Uh, Seek out a professional if you don't know the answers to your questions. Absolutely. Maybe even a doctor. Yeah. Um, and then if things start to change in your joint, it's still not the end of the world. We can still stop it, treat it, make it a little better and don't stop moving because motion is lotion. Motion is lotion. There you go. Love it. So 
It's yeah, not can I say one more thing? Yeah, of course. Go ahead. About people who ask about injections. Mm-hmm. And again, not a doctor. I don't do injections. I think you have to get a lot of information before injections. We certainly see people who have seen the orthopedist and then got an injection. I would always encourage people to talk with their physician about that. I would encourage before getting an injection. Okay, I mean, there's certain cases. I mean, again, I'm not a doctor, but I would always encourage folks to say, I would like to try something conservative and learn how to take care of this problem before I put anything into the joint uh, and give it you know, three weeks, four weeks, six weeks to see if I can do anything to make the changes. The thing about the steroids that they put into the knee, they can be extremely calming to the chemical, infl- because inflammation is chemical, right? Yeah. So it can calm it down rapidly. And there's a difference in the two types of steroids. There's anabolic steroids, which are used to build things up. And then there's the catabolic steroids, which are used to basically break things down. And so catabolic, that's a catabolic steroid, and it's used to break down the inflammation, which is great. It breaks down the inflammation. The problem is it also breaks down the connective tissue a little bit, the the cartilage. So you could see people who've had these periods of joint inflammation. They've received multiple injections over time. After six, seven, eight, I've had that with clients too. In very late stages, maybe, like if they're kind of on the road to get the to get the joint replacement, and that's really all they can do because they're in, they already have pain and pain. They're trying to avoid the third pain to get the joint replacement, and mm-hmm. they've got to go on a ski vacation, perhaps, or something like that. Maybe so, you know, yes. that kind of thing. But I think it, they should be encouraged to try to correct these things, especially early on, to see if they can make the changes before they start with that. Uh, the, 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 I have two things to say about what you just said, and I love that you mentioned that, is that Number one, give your body a fighting chance. Yeah. Number two, if you get the injections, you kind of didn't learn from your mistakes. You kind of, well, are you gonna change what got you to this point? Exactly, yeah. So uh, better analyze what you did, maybe change those patterns, and with an injection, oh, it feels better. I can mm-hmm. keep doing what I did. Yeah. Ed, thank you so much for this podcast, for this conversation. I hope people got something out of it. Where can people reach out to you if they have more questions? Uh, they could look at activept.com. That's uh, active like this without the E, active PT like physical therapy. So you could check that out. You could also, we're right in Richfield, Ohio. I know well, there's a lot of people that see this outside of the state. Yeah. Uh, but I think like just looking at our website, uh, we don't have too much social media president, uh, presence yet, but we're, uh, I think it's at Team Active PT, Team mm-hmm. Active PT. I'll, I'll link it all down. You link below. it all down, whatever. But, it's uh, going to be there. Yeah, I mean, uh, or they could contact Bo. And Bo can get in touch with me. That's fine. So uh, this is what we do. We love to help people out. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ed. Thank you.